This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnieman, and welcome to The Loop. We are days away from Alberta's provincial election, and I think it's fair to say the last month has been an interesting one. UCB leader Danielle Smith and NDP leader Rachel Notley have gone head to head, and there's no shortage of issues that are on Albertans' minds. I think the biggest issue that matters to me is probably like healthcare. I I feel like that's up in the air right now with like the two parties talking about it. Oh, is it going to be free? Is it not going to be free? Just to see that like more community-based things like spaces for children and teenagers to like have more learning ground. I would at least like to hear them talk about um, refining school systems or at least a a change to the voting system because I do not feel like it has been... Uh, The best, considering uh, our previous electoral uh, decisions. For the last month, CBC Edmonton reporter and producer Emily Sanger has been following the campaign trail, and she joins us now for a look back and forward. Hello, Emily. Hi, Claire. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. Uh, Let's start with the campaign. Uh, Walk me through some of the things that you've seen in the last month. Because there's a lot. There is a lot. (laughs) So I'll try and make this list kind of short. Let's start at the beginning of the election, I guess. Uh, This was the very first election under these new fixed state election laws. So we knew when the election was going to be. Usually there's before there was kind of a window when you had to call it. Um, But now we knew it would be on May 29th. Um, That also kind of means that this election, I don't know if it feels this way to you, but it's felt very long to me. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So there's been one month of actual campaigning. The the election officially started on May 1st. But um, it really, since we knew the election, election was going to be on the 29th, really. Both parties have been in some sort of campaign mode since the um, legislature dissolved its its uh, session in March. Um, so at the beginning of the campaign, some of the big issues on the table were health care, which we heard in um, our voices there, the clip off the top. Um, also cost of living, inflation, um, energy transition, education. They were all kind of predicted to be some of the big issues. Um, and I'd say most of those issues still are, but right. of course, things change over the period of a campaign. Uh, and here in central and northern Alberta, we saw massive wildfires right in the middle of the campaign that they're still ongoing. Um, getting a, the situation is getting a little better. But, mm-hmm. of course, that threw a whole wrench into um, into the campaign plan because Danielle Smith, she's UCP leader, but she is still premier during all of this. Um, and her ministers are still the ministers. So they had to kind of pause some of their operations, readjust and actually do those ministerial and um, premier duties to respond to the disaster. Um, so there was even some calls at that time, if you can remember, for from municipal politicians to postpone the election. Now, that's obviously not happening. Um, the situation has improved and um, it's going ahead. The election now happening on May 29th. I remember that kind of confusion during it was the peak of the wildfires a few weeks ago. I mean, we came in and, and ended up doing a special even on a weekend. And that was a big question, but it definitely has subsided for May 29th, which is Good news, I suppose. Uh, We've also heard a lot of complaints about polarization during this election. And uh, here's what just some voters had to say about that issue. I'm finding that a lot of the times no one is really talking about anything. Everything is just polarizing. It's either, you know, I'm saying this to appease whatever group they're supporting, right? So I feel like the actual citizens that are just everyday people that are working are just being left to just fend for themselves, really. If you're going to use what she was saying and try to make it out, as if it was true, when she was trying to bring out 
a conversation and uh, it wasn't the full context of the conversation, well, to me, that's his honesty. I'm sorry. Don't be dishonest. I want them to tell, like, um, be very genuine with what the words that they say, not um, anything fake or anything like that, just making sure that they are very genuine with their words. You see the attack ads on YouTube, and maybe that's not exactly what appeals to you. Lots of division between the UCP and the NDP, obviously catching people's eyes. What have you seen during your reporting on this? Well, during my reporting and just during my day-to-day life, <laughs> existence, yes. uh, that that last uh, speaker there mentioned the attack ads. And mm-hmm. I was in my dentist's office this morning getting a cleaning, and she has the radio on, and it was an NDP. P attack ad or UCP attack ad? They kind of all sound the same in they, my brain. It's just ang- I just recognize an attack ad, I think. It's like a subcategory. I'm like, ah, oh, angry radio. Yes. Yes. So they do exist. They're out there. <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean, obviously, uh, voters don't like them, but they are effective. So that's why <laughs> otherwise the parties wouldn't be using them, right? Definitely. Um, so we've heard lots of attack ads from both sides, obviously. Um, and when it comes to the parties and what they've been saying, both leaders and parties more generally have really been pushing the idea of leadership and trying to, since both these women, well, Daniel Smith is premier, Rachel Notley has been premier, so they do have a tested record in office. Um, so they're trying to point to the other leader's record and say that the other person is not trustworthy and you can only trust me to lead the party and to lead the province. Um so we really heard that polarization and the issue of trust come out during the leaders' debate. Uh, and I wanted to play an exchange between Notley and Smith from that debate that I think really illustrates this strategy of polarization and calling the leaders' past record into question. And we don't have family doctors coming to work here in Alberta. And the reason is because Ms. Smith is doing things like referring to them as tyrants and suggesting that people who follow public health orders are Nazi sympathizers. And these things undermine the ability to attract frontline health care professionals. They don't feel respected and they don't feel that this government is at all focused on science and having their back. Go ahead. Yeah. Our doctors, nurses, paramedics, and other health professionals are the heroes of our healthcare system. Everybody knows that. What I find so interesting is that Ms. Notley isn't running at all on her record from when she was premier because she would have to admit that surgical wait times actually went up for nine key surgeries. She'd have to admit that she didn't actually have the courage to take on the challenge of reforming healthcare. So there we heard it a bit, Claire. Both. Uh, leaders calling the other leaders' record into question and pointing to their what they've done or not done as a leader. Yeah, that debate was interesting to watch because even in in that clip, right, it was very civil. It was quite organized. As someone who is quite politically minded, like was was the debate a standout? Was it exciting or was it kind of boring? Well, I found it interesting, but I, I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but what what was interesting for me is that. Um, since there's only two parties with seats in the legislature, we have the NDP and the UCP, and there were a couple independents um, when the legislature dissolved. But since we only have the two parties, we only have the two leaders. And I really liked that format yeah. of the debate because I felt like we really did get to hear from both leaders. And often when you have like three, four, five candidates on the stage, they talk over each other. It's hard to give everyone a chance in a one-hour debate. Um, so I thought the format actually was quite effective for people that want to watch the debate. Yeah, it did feel very organized, um, which in politics, there's not often a ton of organized debate. However, there is always something spicy. Um, I want to hear about some of the hot moments, the controversies that we have seen unfold in the last month. Oh, Claire, where to start? <laughs> 
Um, I guess these are the things we watch for as yeah. journalists. We don't always report on them because you can't report on every little thing, nor probably should you. Um, but there have been plenty of past comments dredged up and used for political gain. Um, Daniel Smith is in this interesting position where she has this past career as a newspaper columnist and also a talk radio show host, where she it's literally her job to have opinions and yeah. say things that are sometimes controversial on a variety of topics. Um so the NDP's really been trying to capitalize on that as a strategy, take her comments from the past, um, bring them up again, even if, if she wouldn't like to revisit them, I guess. Um, they've really been hitting her hard on health care uh, in this regard. Smith has in the past talked about selling hospitals. Um, she's talked about making or requiring patients to pay for some health care services. Um, and so the NDP's really been hammering on those past comments. And I should note also, to be fair, the UCP has been very clear that it won't make Albertans pay to see a family doctor. Right. So that's kind of what's been happening with bringing up um, comments from Smith. But let's talk about some of the candidate controversies, too. Yeah. Just a couple examples that I found. Um, there's this NDP candidate who wrote a book where he had a line that compared Alberta's energy industry to slavery. Um, the UCP really wasn't a fan and demanded an apology for that. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't really apologize, but uh, there was also a UCP candidate who had a, a really a wide range of questionable Facebook posts from the pretty recent past. Among them, he questioned climate change, denied the existence of white privilege, and denied the existence of systemic racism. Um, so that kind of caused a bit of a stir when those posts came to light. Yeah, some big topics there. Yeah, but this is, I guess, the biggest... A bozo eruption, as right. we sometimes yes, call them. And that is a term, right? Like, that's the thing. That's not just something that's sort of bozo eruptions. I didn't. I don't know where it's that a, term came from, but I, it is used to describe for another day. unscripted political moments uh, that don't really go as planned. Yeah. Um, so one of the biggest ones, it's actually it's some tape that emerged from um, Lacombe Pinocchio candidate Jennifer Johnson. She made some really disparaging comments about trans kids. I know you've seen them. I'm yeah. not, not going to bother repeating them again, but they're out there. Yeah. Um, it was uh, bad enough that UCP leader Daniel Smith said Johnson will not be in UCP caucus if she's elected, um, but her name was already on the ballot. So it was past the point of, you know, of past the, it was the point of no return, I guess, because the ballot's already out. Yeah, you can't take her off at that point. Yeah, she's still there. So she'll show up as running for the UCP. Right. Um, so if she does win, she'll have to sit as an independent MLA. And okay. it's possible she will. That's a riding with a high level of UCP support. Okay. Oh, okay. More. <laughs> You're not done yet. I know. There's one other thing that's come up in the last month. Yes, there is. Uh, the big one, I guess, <laughs> the big kind of controversial or surprising moment of the campaign is, of course, this report from the Ethics Commissioner that was released smack dab in the middle of the campaign. Um, it was a surprise to me that it was being released because the Ethics Commissioner just kind of releases it when it's done, right? Right. Um, so just to recap that report, it was looking into whether Smith, while she was a premier, pressured cabinet members or government justice employees to drop criminal charges related to the Coots border blockades. Um, this report, uh, if you haven't read it yet, it's a, you know, it's not that much of a read. It'd take a half an hour. It's a, it's, a, it's a good read. It really does set out the details of this single conversation between um, Calgary preacher Archer Pawlowski and Smith. And it also details another call that's Smith made to Justice Minister Tyler Shandro after the call with Pulowski. Uh, and Pulowski and Smith were talking about whether she could exert any pressure to, um, 
I guess, lessen or drop the criminal charges he was facing, charges he was later found guilty of. Um, So fast forward to the finding of the report. It found that Smith did break the Conflicts of Interest Act in her interactions with uh, the Minister of Justice, Tyler Shandro. uh, And it was the part that she breached, I guess, was in relation to those criminal charges faced by um, Pulaski. Um, So, yeah, that was... That was a big one. It was quite the report to come out mid-campaign. Yeah, um, but I guess the big question is, uh, do these things influence voters and how close are they paying attention, right? Right. As you said, I mean, it, is, it isn't exactly a, a beach read of a, a report. People might not be picking it up before bed. <laughs> yeah, I think most people wouldn't read the full report, right? Yeah. So um, are voters paying attention to the Ethics Commission report? Um, do they care about individual candidates' mista- uh, missteps or are they waiting for a whole bunch of missteps and does it add up? Um or have have voters already made up their minds? It's it's really hard to know. Yeah. Um, and especially since voters do have so many other big issues on their mind, right, Claire? Yeah, they do. And I think definitely in Edmonton, there are some really big topics on folks' mind. Um, we actually had CBC reporter Reham Alazem talk to voters outside of Kingsway Mall, and uh, this is what she heard. I want the candidates to be talking about health care, about education, about special needs concerns, about H. I'm in a classroom with people who really need the H benefits and it's getting tough. Those are the things I want to hear about. I work with developmentally disabled children, so I see the effects of these policies directly. More food banks for the poor and uh, more schools and uh, more hospitals, and less waiting time. So I was supposed to have my eyes done in uh, February. There's a waiting list. Needless to say, they haven't told me. February, March, April, May, and nothing. eh? Because they've got a back of people waiting to get their eyes done at the Royal Island. So I don't think it's good when you've got to wait four months. The main things uh, I'm concerned about is our economy, is how things are skyrocketing right now. And, you know, just for the candidates to to come in and be able to uh, um, give us a, a plan as to uh, how we're going to uh, uh, survive through this uh, recession that we're pretty much seeing, seeing uh, happening around. And man, it's, it's hard on family. It just, it, just, it just too much. Housing prices, we need, we need, we need an improvement in the, in the housing prices. That's a big issue. That's a big, big issue. I feel like I want candidates to address the injustices on indigenous people and to help maybe amplify indigenous voices more and just have more insight on indigenous issues that we still face today. Yeah, I'm from uh, Big Stone Cree Nation. It's like a reserve up north. I think um, one of the things that impact me the most is definitely the Every Child Matters, um, the residential schools and the impact the generational trauma it has on us still to today. So yeah, I think that's something I relate to the most. Yeah, I went to see the, the more job creation, I guess. Uh, I, I see that uh, a lot of stores are closing down, the business is closing down, so uh, need to create uh, more jobs uh, for, for this province. Uh, that's the most important I see. Lots of my friends don't have jobs, actually. Uh, engineers, they don't have jobs. Uh, and um, what I also noticed that um, the prices are very high for all the communities, but I also see the the energy prices are very high in, in, in this province. We pay lots of uh, utility bills, and, uh, you know, 
heating, electricity, water. I'm paying. I am hard. I'm having a hard time to pay the the bills. We need more child care. Uh, we need more health care. Well, I'm on age. Okay. We're just struggling as it is because of the of the systems. It's good we're getting money from them. It's, it's just, I never care for the conservatives. It's, it's getting harder to find a decent place to live. It's getting harder to find reasonable rent because of the inflation, the bills, the groceries and all that stuff. For the last month, We've really only heard from two parties, obviously the UCP and the NDP. Do do other parties even resonate with Albertans? Do they stand a chance in this election, Emily? Uh, in short, Claire, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask. <laughs> Uh, but I can elaborate on that yeah, a, a little bit. So there are a lot of other parties registered aside from the NDP and the UCP. There's actually 12 other parties that are running candidates. Some mm-hmm. of them are only running one. Some of them have a dozen or more. Um, there's everything, whatever your cup of tea is from the Communist Party to a party that says it wants to stop communism as its main platform plank. And there's also a whole bunch of right-leaning parties that want either Alberta to fully separate from the rest of Canada or have some referendum on sovereignty. So if sovereignty is your thing, there's probably a party out there for you. Um, But I think I and and any other political observer would be very surprised um, if any candidates outside of the NDP and the UCP win a seat. Even some of the parties that have held seats before, um, the Alberta Party, the Liberals, they're not really considered to be contenders um, in this election. Yeah, this time around, it's it's very much focused on the orange and the blue. Election day, Monday, May 29th. So who's going to win? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, right? You know. Uh, clearly, I cannot make, make a prediction. Um, but it, it is so close that even if I did make a prediction, um, I very well could be wrong yeah. um, because this is a very close election. Polls from the very beginning have shown both parties with near equal levels of support. Um, we know, though, that the NDP does have a tough slog to win this election. Um, they have to flip a, a ton of seats from blue to orange if it's going to form government. So let's do the math here. Okay. Uh, there's 87 seats in the Alberta legislature. The spring session ended with the NDP with official opposition, 23 seats in legislature. Um, so it has to keep each one of those 23 seats. And it also has to win another 21 seats to form government. Uh-huh. Um, so there's 26 seats in Calgary. Um, so it just needs to win big in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are some seats in Calgary that just will not they're staunch uh, UCP seats. They probably won't go NDP. Um, so it's going to look, that's why so much of the campaign has been in Calgary, because the yeah. UCP is really trying to keep those seats. The NDP is trying to flip them. Yeah, we keep hearing the term battleground Calgary. Yes. And that's why the leaders haven't been in Edmonton that much either. Right. Um, so NDP is trying to go big in Calgary. And it's, if it's going to form government, it's also looking for some additional seats in other ridings, um, maybe a second seat in Lethbridge in addition to the one it already has, maybe Lesser Slave Lake, maybe Banff Kananaskis. Um, the NDP is also looking for seats in the Edmonton Donut, which is uh, yes. a term I enjoy. It <laughs> <laughs> um, makes me hungry. Yes. So, so those are the suburban ridings in um, some they're looking at, uh, in particular, Morinville St. Albert, Spruce Grove, Sherwood Park, um, maybe 
Saskatchewan, Vagerville. Um, and CBC reporter Julia Wong actually talked to voters in Sherwood Park, which is considered one of the ridings that might swing. Here's what some of them had to say. Just a nice, stable government and someone that's listening to the people, the majority of people. Family and uh, looking at education and um, just seeing how much care is being given to the average family, really. I mean, you look at like all the oil booms and then the recessions and whatnot, and we take all the oil boom money and then we spend it. And then during the recession, we're hit really, really hard, especially the people down lower, right? And uh, so I think it's really important because here on out, right, oil is not as much of a profit center in the years to come. So we need to look beyond that. And if we don't look beyond that, it's going to be really bad for us, I think. So I, I kind of want to keep Alberta the way it is. All right. I don't want to change. You know, we changed it uh, quite a few years ago. And uh, be honest with you, I have two of my sons that were out of jobs because of it. And, and that's one of my reasons I'm, I'm voting the way I vote right now. You know, I, I just think we've got to get the spending under control, not only for them, but for us too. Because eh? everything's gone up. Like, I mean, uh, you know, we got a niece, they got four kids. <laughs> you know, how they paying for their groceries. You know, they're having a rough go, so, so something's got to happen. Something's got to change. I trust the person that we're electing, that they're, what they're saying now is correct. Not to be forced to do things I don't want to do is huge. So I won't expand on that. I think that it's going to be such a close election and that it's really going to drive our province for where we're going for the years to come. I really appreciate how in every single little bunch of voices we've heard, um, someone brings up groceries, which regardless who you're voting for, <laughs> food. It, it is. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know that the province can do so much to help bring down inflation. That's no. more the Bank of Canada and like world economic uh, like global oil prices, but yeah. you know, it would be nice. The cost of living is definitely on people's minds. But uh, so we've covered some of the hot takes. We've covered Battleground, Calgary, and and the Edmonton Donut. Uh, speaking of food, what are the other storylines? What are you watching for in this last stretch? Well, I'm really watching for voter turnout. Mm. Um, so that. Voter turnout, the reason I'm watching for it, it was really high in the last election in 2019. It was 67.5%. Um, it may not seem like a lot out of 100%, but this represents the highest voter turnout in Alberta since the uh, 1971 wow. election, uh, which was a landslide victory for Peter Lougheed. Um So just to compare, when I first started voting in Alberta, it was during the PC dynasty days. So the PC party just always won no matter what. Ralph yeah. Klein was premier. Um, there was like a few other parties that would pick up seats and I voted, um, but it did feel kind of like futile at times that whether you support the party in power, you don't have to vote because they're going to win anyways. And if you don't support them, your vote doesn't matter. That's kind of how it felt back yeah. in the early 2000s. Um, in, and I looked in, in 2004, that would have been the first Alberta election I voted in. Turnout was only 45 percent, so compared to almost 70 percent in the last election. Um, so we've gone up a lot by then. Uh, and I'm watching voter turnout because in this tight race, both parties are really going to need to get out the vote if they want to win. That means um, they've been encouraging events, poll voting already, and they're really going to need to call their supporters, offer them rides to polling stations, um, really work those phones. That's what they're doing now. 
now uh, is getting the people who said they support them out to actually cast that vote. And it's going to be crucial um, in a race that's this close. Yeah, it is interesting to think, too, just how much the province has grown since 2004, right? So that 40 to 73 is even more just because of how many more people are in Alberta. Um, Monday is the big day, the big night. Uh, How can people engage with stuff? Where to watch? um, Where to listen? Well, there's all over CBC. (laughs) What? Yes. (laughs) So we have a special election night broadcast. You can watch that on CBC TV or on CBC Gem. We'll also stream that on our website, cbc.ca slash Edmonton. Um, So that will have live results as they come in. Um, We're going to have web stories after we know the final result. Uh, If you're more of a radio person, because you're listening to a podcast right now, (laughs) more of an audio person, um, or you want to, you know, listen to results as you're I don't know, cleaning up your supper mess or what have you, uh, you can listen in at 93.9 FM or on the CBC Listen app. And then we're going to have tons of continuing coverage afterwards on Edmonton Am the next day, Radioactive the next day, and uh, on all CBC platforms. My last question for you has to also do with food. Um, election night pizza, a tradition. Uh, in newsrooms, I think it's gone beyond that, too. A lot of people just order. And as they watch, what, what's your order? What's your pizza topping? Oh, well, if it's if it's newsroom pizza, it's kind of whatever's left, isn't it? Do I get to pick? If you had a choice, um, I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity to have the power here. A pepperoni and mushroom, maybe? Oh, good combo. Or like pepperoni and mushroom and hot peppers. Oh, that's good. I like that. Add a little spice. Or, or sometimes I like vegetarian, too. I don't know. Just <laughs> so- like... I'm not picky. I've eaten so much newsroom pizza over the years that I just don't even really get that excited about it. So equal and fair. Well, I hope whatever flavor you enjoy the pizza Monday night. Emily, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for having me. This is fun. The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Olivia O. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch, you can email us, theloop at cbc.ca, or leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show. And you can find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.